Father, we are grateful that we can tell everybody that we are part of the family of God. And we're part of your family because of your son who gave himself for us. And Lord, we praise you and we thank you for dying in our place on the cross and taking our sin upon yourself. We thank you, Father, that by your son's stripes, we have truly been healed. And Lord, today, as we, as your children, come together and worship, we pray that our focus would be on you. Lord, I pray that if there is anyone here who has not yet asked Jesus to be their Savior and does not yet know him as a good shepherd, that even as we study this passage of Scripture from the Old Testament, Lord, that you will speak to their hearts. And for we who are professing Christians, O oh God, may we allow you to be our shepherd throughout each and every day. Please, Lord, bless us. Please speak to our hearts in these moments. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the fourth Sunday as we've looked at Psalms 23. So let's quickly read uh, the, the psalm itself and then review what we've studied, okay? So let's read Psalms 23. If you would like, you can say this with me, okay? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, some quick review. According to Robert Daniel, who wrote the book, How to Study the Psalms, the theme of Psalms 23 is this, God's Wonderful Care. And a very simple outline of Psalms 23 would be this, God's wonderful care as a shepherd, verses 1-2 in the first part of verse 3, God's wonderful care as a guide in the latter part of verse 3 and verse 4, and God's wonderful care as a host in verses 5 and 6. You and I have already found out that the first Verse, the first part, the Lord is my shepherd, is perhaps five of the most revealing words in the Old Testament. And the Lord, the expression the Lord, is the most significant name for God in the Old Testament. And the name the Lord signifies at least three things. God's eternal existence, God's all-sufficiency, and God who is forever present with his people. And, folks, that's where we're going to pick up today. And let me share something with you that uh, I, I just want to share it with you. I do listen to other people, and especially as I'm around people that go to other churches, and, and I guess it's uh, not just being nosy but being a pastor. When somebody says something about their pastor, I, I listen real close. I don't necessarily comment and tell them how they ought to feel about their pastor. But this week I was in the presence of someone, and, and they were talking about their pastor in a very complimentary way. But they said, you know, that man can take one verse and he can preach on it for three or four Sundays. And I didn't say anything to that person. I thought, well, you know, this is the fourth Sunday that we're on the 
23rd Psalm, and we haven't even got through the first verse yet, all right? So I want you to be patient, but I truly believe that 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 first verse, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, is one of the most significant verses in the Old Testament. And I believe, I believe that if you and I understand this one verse, it will help us to understand truly who Jesus is and what the Lord Jesus can do for our life. Uh, in recent weeks, some of you have written psalms, and uh, I've read some. Some have been read by the person that wrote them. I didn't get any this week, okay, but this was put on my desk, and I didn't have a ch- uh, chance to ask Fran where it came from. But it says, a Sunday school teacher decided to have her young class memorize one of the most quoted passages in the Bible, Psalm 23. She gave the youngsters a month to learn the chapter. Little Rick was excited about the task but he couldn't remember the psalm. After much practice, he could barely get past the first line. On the day that the kids were scheduled to recite Psalms 23 in front of the congregation, Ricky was so nervous. When it was his turn, he stepped up to the microphone and said proudly, The Lord is my shepherd, and that's all I need to know. Folks, I want to tell you, that might have been given to me as a humorous piece of information, but folks, this is the gospel truth in the Old Testament. If you and I know the shepherd, we'll know life at its fullness. And where we pick up today is that expression, the Lord is my shepherd, my shepherd. As David uses this concept of God being his shepherd, I believe this is a twofold statement. It tells us, first of all, about our God, and it tells us also about who we are. So let's look at the concept, my shepherd. God is our shepherd. David is using a figure of speech the figure of a shepherd to describe God. Now, folks, he is not the only writer in the Old Testament who describes God as a shepherd. In Psalms 80, verse 1, the psalmist says, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel. To understand what David is trying to say, we must understand the concept of the shepherd in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the relationship between the shepherd and his sheep was such a beautiful and meaningful example of life and protection. The shepherd had a name for each animal, and the sheep of the flock recognized and responded to the voice of the shepherd and to no one else. And the title shepherd indicated devotion to the sheep. Folks, even if it was necessary to give his life for the sheep, the shepherd would give himself. And folks, think about this for just a second. You remember we we quoted some out of 1 Samuel chapter 17 where David is getting ready to face Goliath, but he has an interview with King Saul, and Saul is trying to check him out as whether or not he should allow this young boy to go before a giant. And David says, as God delivered me from the paw of the bear and of the lion, he'll deliver me from this Philistine. Folks, I believe that David was speaking out of his own experience as a shepherd that he had been willing to give his life for the sheep. That's what the shepherd did. In the life of the shepherd and the sheep were bound together. And the shepherd's job was a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week job. Let me read to you what another Bible scholar writes. 
eastern shepherds, and listen, here's the description of what the shepherds did. They guarded their sheep, they led them, they provided food and water for them, they took care of them when they were weary, bruised, cut, or sick. They rescued them when they strayed. And if it was necessary, they even helped deliver the lambs. And folks, here is the picture of the shepherd. In every way, the shepherd loved the sheep and prepared for them. And here's a little bit more information. In Old Testament times, there were no fences. The land was rough and dangerous. It abounded with predators, wild animals, and snakes. And the sheep needed constant oversight. In the Holy Land, pastures that were lush and green were only that way during the rainy season, but it didn't last all year. So the shepherd constantly was meeting the needs of the sheep. So God here is being compared to a shepherd in order to illustrate his great love for his people. Now, do you get that picture? I don't know what you would use in your mind to illustrate somebody that loves you and prepares and and meets your needs. Perhaps it would be a father. Perhaps that's why Jesus told his disciples and tells you and I to address God as Father. But folks, let me share some passages of Scripture with you, okay? And they're going to be on the overhead, okay? First of all, Isaiah forty eleven. Listen to this. And, and folks, I want you to notice the pronouns in all of this where God says, I'm going to do this, especially in the next passage that's in Ezekiel. Okay, but listen to Isaiah 40, 11. He will feed his sheep like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are young. And, of course, he's talking about the nation of Israel that had been taken in captivity. But, folks, listen to this passage of Scripture out of Ezekiel chapter 34. And I'm just going to read verses 11 through 16, but let me set this up. God was speaking to the priest and other leaders who were supposed to be leading the people of Israel to him. But they had stopped being shepherds, and they were only looking out for their own interests. They did not care about Israel, the nation. They did not care about their relationship with God. They did not care that the judgment of God had fallen on these people. And God says, this is not acceptable. You know, that passage of Scripture is a passage that I've read ever since I was a young minister and thought, God, please, please, Lord, help me to be the right kind of shepherd. But God, in these verses describes the shepherd that he is to the people of Israel. Listen to this, and again, notice the times that God says, I, and what God says he will do. Listen to this. For thus says who? The Lord God. Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when some of his sheep have been scattered abroad, so I will seek out my sheep. And I will rescue them from all places where they've been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the fountains and all the inhibited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and upon the mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on fat pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. 
I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the cripple. I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong. I will watch over. I will feed them in justice. And folks, now look at this passage of Scripture. No, I'm getting ahead of myself. All right. So what is God trying to say? What is God trying to say? Folks, he wants... No, I got two more verses done. I knew that I did. Thank you, Tommy Jean, or D. Uh, and I will set up over them one shepherd. Now, wh- who is he talking about here in Ezekiel 34, 23? And I will set up over him one shepherd, my servant David. Who is he talking about? He's talking about the promise of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is a descendant of, 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 of David. And he shall feed them, he shall feed them, and be their shepherd. And listen to verse 31. And you are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, says the Lord God. So, folks, the Lord is saying that he himself is going to take care of his people. But, folks, let's bring this into the New Testament. Jesus himself adopts the same figure of speech to express his relationship to his people. Now, listen to these verses out of John chapter 10, verses 11 through 16. This is Jesus speaking. Folks, please, again, I I pray that God's just going to speak. We need a shepherd. We need a shepherd in this day. And listen to what Jesus says. I am the good shepherd. What does the good shepherd do? The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hireling and not a shepherd who's on the sheep or not, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hireling and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own. Listen to this. And my own know me. As the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will heed my voice, so there shall be one flock, one shepherd. Out of Hebrews thirteen twenty. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, 1 Peter 5, 4, and I'm just giving you examples of where Jesus is compared to the good shepherd and now the chief shepherd. And when the chief shepherd is manifested, you will obtain the unfading crown of glory. And one other reference I want you to see in Revelations chapter 7, verse 17. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Folks, what's the whole point in this? The Lord Jesus is not only the Lamb of God who gives himself upon the cross, but also the good shepherd who takes care of the sheep. So, folks, listen to what David is teaching you and I about the Lord as our shepherd. God will be to our lives. Now, listen to this. He will be a provider, a preserver, a guide, a physician, and a friend. God as a shepherd will provide all of our needs, both material and spiritual, all of our needs. We as God's sheep will never want for rest, refreshment, nourishment, forgiveness, restoration, fellowship, guidance, deliverance from fear and danger, comfort and sorrow, victory over our enemies, security and troublesome times, joy in the Lord, power for service, and a home at the end of this earthly journey. And did you know that what I just said sums up sums up all six of these verses? Folks, God wants to give us all these things. 
And David comes to the realization that God the Lord is greatly concerned about each one of us as his own individual creatures. His concern for us is not only during our daily living, but also in the time of our death and throughout eternity. Did you notice how David talks about God has been with him throughout his life, throughout the moment that he crosses into the valley of the shadow of death, and he'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Folks, this is such a powerful portion of Scripture. But folks, in this passage and in this statement about God being our shepherd, David is also making a statement about himself and about every person of every generation. If God is compared to a shepherd, we are compared to what? To sheep. And remember again that David is speaking in the language of his day. So let's apply this concept to you and to me. Sheep. What is a good illustration or description of sheep? Listen to this. Sheep are weak, they are foolish, they are thoughtless, and oftentimes they leave themselves unprotected. That's why they need a shepherd. Folks, that's why you and I need a God that we can depend upon. Because, you see, just as the sheep could be taken by a predator or destroy themselves... You and I can be snatched away by Satan and we can self-destruct. Let me read some passages of Scripture to you again. Isaiah 53, verse 6. Listen to this. Isaiah 53, 6. All, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know the context of that passage of Scripture. It is a prophecy of the coming of Christ to die on the cross for us. One of the reasons we need a Savior is because all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. But listen to Matthew 35 to 38. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every infirmity. When he saw the crowds, listen to this, folks. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion. And that compassion is something that that went to the very center of his soul. He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like what? Sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And folks, let me give you just a couple more illustrations in the Old Testament from the book of Judges, verse 21-25. Folks, I don't know if you've read the book of Judges recently, but the book of Judges is a book about the history of the people of Israel. And, and that book, I believe, is, is so relevant for our day. The people of God would reject him and they would follow their own way, they would get into sin, their sin would be judged, and then they would repent and turn back to God. God would raise up a new leader. But folks, here's a summary of that period of time in history. And folks, does this verse not apply to our day? Listen to this. In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Listen to that last phrase. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Folks, we are truly like sheep. And listen to this verse out of Proverbs fourteen twelve. 
Listen to this. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Sheep who get away from the shepherd either destroy themselves or destroy their quality of life. Let me give you a case in point. You remember the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. He rebelled and rejected his father only to find out that he foolishly was about to destroy himself. Folks, so let's pull all this together. In David's heart and mind, as he describes God as his shepherd, is he thinking also about his own rebellion against God, that he had acted like one of the sheep who, who deliberately went astray and who placed himself in danger. And he sees the love of God, and he sees that God had shepherded him throughout his life. Folks, it's a powerful, powerful statement and concept. God wants to be our shepherd, but we, like sheep, we go our own way, and we don't realize the danger of what we're doing. So let's look at the latter part of verse 1. Listen to this. I shall not want. The Good News Bible translates that, I have everything I need. Now, let me ask you something. Do you and I really feel that way about our God and about our Lord? Do we feel like in Jesus we have everything that we need? Folks, the emphasis in the first three verses is that the God of the Old Testament and Jesus in the New Testament is adequate for every need that we as sheep may have. And remember, we've talked about this before, about what Jesus says about meeting our most important needs. Just think again about some of the things in the New Testament. All of us need what? We need love. God is love. We need light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of light. We need bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. We need living waters. Jesus said to the woman at the well, if you drink of the water that I shall give, you will never thirst again. You and I need direction and guidance. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. But folks, let me ask you something. Does this verse, I have everything I need or I shall not want, does it mean that God, that our Lord is going to give us everything we want in life? And the answer to that, folks, is absolutely not. But everything that we need, we can trust God to provide. Yes, this is an assurance expressed throughout the entire Bible. And folks, let me just give you a couple of quick examples in the Old Testament and also in the New where God provided the needs of the people. And let me give you two quick ones out of the, the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 7, I want you to understand the context of this. The people have wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because they rejected God's plan at first. But listen to this. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He knows you're going th through this great wilderness these 40 years. The Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. Now listen to this. Let me get, go back, please. The Lord your God has been with you for how long? 40 years. 
and you have liked nothing. Now listen to what Moses is doing. He's looking back in the past. Now let me ask you something. And, and, and I know I, I've heard a lot of you say, well, I wish I could raise my hand and say, I don't understand that. I question that. But let me ask you something. Some of you might not be 40 years old. But has God ever let us down? Now, again, you might want to debate me on that. You know, some of the things that I thought that I needed, I didn't. And I was disappointed when God did not give me those things. But in the long run, I found out God knew what he was doing and I didn't. And I was acting like a sheep and he was acting like a shepherd. Moses looks back over these 40 years that they wandered in the wilderness And perhaps you've had some wilderness times in your life when you thought, God really doesn't care about me. But I want to tell you something. He doesn't keep us in the wilderness. When we get out of the wilderness, guess what? He helps us to understand that he was at work all the time and there was not anything that he didn't give to us that we needed. But listen to this out of Deuteronomy chapter 8. And this is chapter 8, not 28. Go ahead. Thank you. Uh, Listen to these verses, 7 through 9. And this is looking at the future. This is what God promises to do for Israel. Listen to this. And and, and listen to how he calls the Lord your God. See, the, the concept of the Lord that we talked about the second week is so important. For the Lord your God is bringing you. This is what he's getting ready to do. He is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, fountains and springs, flowing forth in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will like nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. Listen to this. God promised that he was going to, be with them in the future because he'd already been with them in the past. And folks, let me tell you something about our God. He never lets us down. And again, you might want to argue with me and say, well, listen, there's been some times in my life that God let me down. Have you got beyond the wilderness experience yet? Have you got to where you can see his perspective about it? Folks, listen to this verse. Psalms 37, these verses. And the older I get, I love this, these verses. Listen to this. I have been old, and now I am... No, well, let me back up. (laughs) Slip of the tongue. I have been young, and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, or his children begging bread. He is ever giving liberally and lending, and his children becoming a blessing. Depart from evil and do good, so you shall abide forever. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. Folks, underline that. He will not forsake his saints, which is a word for the children of God. The righteous shall be preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. And folks, let's move this up to the New Testament. Matthew six thirty-three. Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. And listen to what the Apostle Paul writes from the jail in Rome to the the Philippian Christians, Philippians 4.19. Listen to this. My God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now, folks, listen to this. Does this passage mean I I shall not want? Does it mean that all we have to do is demand that God give us and he will indulge us? 
foolishly showering on us everything we want? And folks, the answer to that is no. But God promises our needs in life will be met in him. And in meeting our needs, he will give us the abundant life that Jesus promised his sheep. Now, again, Jesus says, the thief came only to kill and destroy. I have come to give life and give it abundantly. But, folks, here's the key. And give me just a couple more minutes because this is the meat right here that we need to really digest. Here is the key to understanding this expression, I shall not want. Now, please listen to this. Until we can truthfully say, the Lord is my shepherd, we cannot fully realize, I shall not want. Only when you and I fully surrender to Christ and completely follow him as the good shepherd can we know our real needs in life. I didn't know what my real needs were when Herbert Brown was in control of his life. I did not know what my real needs were before my heart and life were changed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you why. Listen to John 10, 26. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I want to ask you something as a Christian. As I've asked myself in preparing these messages, are you and I following the the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because, you see, if we're not following him, if we know him as Savior, but we've pushed him aside and say, I'll call you when I need you, guess what? We don't know what our needs are. And we're probably wanting God to indulge us and give us a lot of things that we really don't need. If somebody gave you a blank sheet of paper and said, you don't have to write your name on this, and we're not going to look at what you write down, what would you say your greatest need right now is? Is it money? Is it material possessions? Is it friends? Is it health? Is it fame, notoriety, or pleasure? And folks, there's some pretty important things that have been listed. Yes, we need money. Yes, we need material possession. Yes, we need friends. Yes, we need health. But folks, listen to what the Lord said again in Matthew six thirty three. And I think I've gone past the scripture. Tommy Jean, if you'll push it on up. But I'm sorry. If you, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. You know what the greatest thing we need? It's right relationship with God. And let me tell you why we need that right relationship with God. And I'm not saying this as a preacher. I'm saying this as a person who had the wrong relationship with God until the day that I met Jesus Christ. Folks, when we have a right relationship with God, we have a shepherd who will provide our every need. Now, folks, again... It might not, your needs might not be the same thing as the Lord sees your needs, but he'll provide your needs. And folks, I believe that there are a multitude of people, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, there's a multitude of people in this congregation who would stand up and say, listen, that's the truth. Not because Herbert said it, because the Word of God teaches it. 
that if you turn your heart and your life over to Jesus, he'll provide your needs. And it'll surprise you what your needs truly are. Folks, is Jesus your shepherd today? If he's not your shepherd, well, this psalm is just some beautiful literature that was written thousands of years ago by a man that was a shepherd. But folks, if Jesus is your shepherd, then you know how much he loves you and how much he's going to be with you. Let me pose another question. Does Jesus want to be your shepherd today? Listen to these two verses, of, uh, these passages of Scripture, and I'll close. Okay, Tommy Jean, if you run it up in Matthew 18, there we go. Jesus said, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountain and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not, listen to this verse, so it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. And this is emphasized again in Luke chapter 15, verses 3 to 7. You and I know this parable. So he told them this parable, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who need no repentance. This morning, if you don't have Jesus as your shepherd, he is searching for you. Remember in Ezekiel, God said, I will seek for my sheep. God is seeking for you right now. And he's trying to take this feeble sermon and help you to understand that he loves you. And he wants to be your shepherd. He wants to be the God that, God that provides your every need. Well, how can you allow Jesus to become your shepherd? Let me quickly share verses with you that you've heard many times. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5.8 says, But God chose his love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In Romans 10.13, Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Folks, our God wants to be your shepherd. Jesus wants to be the good shepherd of your life. He laid down his life for you. And he wants to provide your every need. But you and I must come to that point in time when we recognize that we are a sinner. And we have deliberately and willfully separated ourselves from God. And the change needs to be made in us. Number one, we need to repent of our sin and want the Savior instead of sin. And if you're willing to turn away from your sin and turn to the Savior, He wants to take you just as you are and give you new birth into the kingdom of God. May the Good Shepherd speak your heart right now. Let's pray together.
Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the good shepherd who searches for sheep that have gone astray. And I thank you, Father, that it is your will that none should perish, but all should reach repentance and eternal life in your Son. And Lord, today I pray that if there's someone in this congregation that doesn't have a shepherd, it's easy for us all, Lord, to acknowledge that like sheep we go astray. But Lord, it's even harder to acknowledge that we need a shepherd. But Father, I pray that as we recognize the need of a shepherd, that you would wrap your arms around those that might not yet know your Savior. And I pray, Lord, right now that your Holy Spirit would lead them to understand that you want to be their shepherd. You want to provide their every need, most especially the need of having a right relationship with God. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to hearts. And I pray that as we stand together to sing a hymn of invitation, Lord, that you would just lead whomever it might be to make a public stand for you to first of all invite you to come into their heart and then say, I'll tell the world that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.